Right, we are carrying on with our series called Believe, looking at foundational truths of uh, what it means to um, live as a Christian, really. Um, And this morning, we are looking at what it means to be a new creation. What is a new creation? You could have a whole sermon series on being a new creation. Fortunately, we're not. We're just having this morning. Don't worry. Um, But that's what our uh, subject is this morning, a new creation. And so if you've got a Bible, um, you can turn it to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 from verse 11. It's probably no surprise that I'm turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, but don't worry if you haven't got a Bible with you because the words will be on the screen. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5 from verse 11. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it's for God. If we're in our right mind, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who, should live, those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Father, I want to thank you for your amazing love for us. I want to thank you that you have not left us to work things out for ourselves, to come up with our own best ideas. But you've given us your word and you've put your spirit in us. And so as we read your word this morning, as we, as we look at what it means to be a new creation, what it means for the old to have gone and the new to have come, would you speak deeply into our hearts? Would you enlighten and emblazon our hearts? and our minds are fresh for you as we receive all you have for us this morning. We love you. We love you. Amen. Amen. Your translation might say, it might not say the new creation has come, it might say if anyone is in Christ, um, he is a new creation, that person is a new creation. Or uh, I think the original, so I understand it says, it just says if anyone's in Christ, new creation. It's... um, it's, it's really helpful to see that this morning. I remember, um, I remember in my childhood, I kind of remember songs from my childhood. I don't know if you remember songs that just remind you of growing up. Do you? Can you, can you think of songs and you think, oh, that reminds me of my childhood. I, I, remember, I remember songs that remind me of growing up with my parents. 
songs that they would play or songs that they would like. I remember songs that remind me of holidays. Um, I, I, can't, I can't get out of my head um, a certain Madonna song from going to Spain because it was on all the time when I was in Spain. That probably shows my age, doesn't it? Um, although she's still making music now. It could have been just last year, couldn't it? But it wasn't. Um, I remember songs that remind me of parties that I had when I was growing up. Um, and they stick with us, don't they? And I remember songs that I used to sing growing up in church. I wouldn't always understand them, but I'd remember the songs or I'd remember the words. I'd remember, I'm your, I'm your child, I'm adopted in your family. Or I'd, I'd remember, he's risen, Jesus is alive, singing things like that. Not really truly understanding, but, but being able to sing, and just being reminded, I remember singing, we used to sing this song, he is, um, I'm a new creation. I'm not, I'm not in condemnation anymore, I'm a new creation. I was thinking, oh, maybe we should get the band to learn it again, but it, it, whilst the words are, are great, it kind of feels a bit dated and it's stuck in the 80s in terms of its music. But I remember, I remember singing, I'm a new creation. I'm not, no more in condemnation. And, um, you know, and then singing that, remembering that song, and then coming into my late teens, and then um, really kind of understanding, really realising, what does it mean to be a new creation? What does it mean to have, that I've received this new life? Something's happened to me. Something new has happened. See, our society likes newness. It gets newness, doesn't it? You need. Why don't you have this 3D, new 3D TV? You need this new, all new toaster. You, when, when Labour were, 20, 20 years ago or so in politics, when Labour were kind of decided, how do we get back in the scene? How do we get back in the game? And it was about, no, this is Tony Blair and all his friends. This is about new Labour. This is something different. Uh, my local um, uh, corner shop um, has been involved in lots of um, uh, drug problems and, uh, selling, uh, and allegedly selling drugs. And, no, no I, can't, I can say allegedly. I don't have to say allegedly. It has. Uh, it was in the news. Um, but it's got a big sign above it now. And it says, under new management... Expect everyone to say, look, it's new, new management. It's okay now. Listen, if you take away one thing from today, I want you to know this. If you are a Christian, you're a new creation. And the new is so much better than the old. So we're going to look at this morning, what is new creation? what is the old that has gone and what's the new that has come so what's the new creation well this this really kind of hits at the big story of the bible god's god's big picture if you like what is the great story um the great narrative of god's work see in the beginning of the bible it tells us that god created a perfect world and uh, when we look at our world, we see beauty. You know, think of some of the great things you see in creation. Some gorgeous sunsets, some amazing mountain ranges, um, so just vast oceans and all the beauty within them. Stunning views. And it also tells us that 
God created man and woman. And he created them in his image. It's a privilege, isn't it, to be made in God's image? It's, it's a joy. To, to, it's a joy to be created, to have friendships with other human beings who are made in his image. It's a joy, it's a joy isn't it, to, be, to reflect something of God in who we are. Yet it's not difficult to see that something, something has gone wrong. Something's gone wrong in all that. And you only have to look at the local news, let alone national news, let alone international news, to see that this perfect world that God's created with human beings living side by side and in peace and harmony is not our reality. See, the Bible tells us that humans sin, our sin, our choosing to rebel against God has affected who we were meant to be. We were meant to live in close relationship with God. It's affected also the relationships with one another. What is one of the first sins recorded after Adam and Eve sin in the garden? It's that Cain murders his brother, Abel. These, these good relationships, peace and harmony in our, terms of our, our relationships with one another is upset, is disrupted. But the Bible also tells us that sin has affected the whole of creation. So now the whole of the world experiences the disastrous consequences of human sin. So whilst our world is beautiful, it's scarred by sin. It is marred by human sin. But that's not the end of the story. Praise God. God is bringing about new creation. He's putting things right. He's committed to restoring creation to how it was meant to be. Bobby's already read out of Romans already. Romans 10, was it 10? 10. In a few chapters earlier, in Romans 8, Paul talks about creation being subjected to futility and waiting eagerly to be set free from its bondage to decay. There'll be a day, it says in Revelation, when everything in heaven and earth will no longer experience a curse. But get this. When a person decides to follow Jesus, they experience that powerful, transforming, life-giving new creation. Because God is not just sorting out our, and redeeming our physical world and the stuff around us. He's redeeming men and women. Why? Because we are uniquely made in his image. Creation is beautiful, but we're made in his image. Animals are amazing, but we're made in his image. And so he's dealing with the mess that his image bearers have 
got themselves into. And he's done it through Jesus. That's why Paul says in this passage, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. New creation has come to them. Listen, if you're a Christian here this morning, you and I experience that new creation power. You're made new. Because being a Christian isn't simply trying to live a bit better, trying as hard as you can so that you can earn God's attention. Being a Christian isn't about getting new religion, it's about getting new life. It's about being born completely new. So, what was the old? There we go. What does it mean that the old has gone? What's gone? See, let me just set out what I believe our state was before God, what the Bible says our state was before God and without God. And there's three things I want to look at. Firstly, without God, we are unclean. Sin has made us unclean. See, Jesus said it's the things that come out of a person that makes them unclean. He says, um, from our hearts come sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly. Sin, Sin pollutes us. Sin defiles us. And we can think, well, I don't do all those things. I I, I only do a bit of some of them. But, you know, it's it's almost like, as we say on the Alpha course, it's almost like you don't have a a, a pretty clean driving license. You either have a clean driving license or you don't. And so it's the same with sin. It's not like, well, I only do a little bit of sin. Well, that makes you unclean, the Bible says. Well, I'll just try and be a bit cleaner, we think. I'll try and live a bit better. But that leads me to my second point about our state without God. And it's this. We're dead. Ephesians chapter 2 begins with this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You might say, well, what do you mean by that? You know, I felt quite alive before I was a Christian. I felt... That felt lively and and all that. I didn't feel dead. But it means this. You were unable to please God in any way. You were made for spiritual life with God. But actually you were unable, and I was unable, to experience that. And I was unable to do anything about it. Dead people really can't make decisions for themselves. It also links to the third point as well. The fact that we are enslaved without God. Jesus says this in uh, uh, John chapter 8, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. You're unable in your own strength to get free 
I was unable to get free of sin in my own strength. Before I was a Christian, I was a slave to sin. Sin said, go over here. I did it. Sin said, move over here. I was enslaved to it. I did it. Sin owned me. And all that means that I am under God's judgment. Outside of Christ, God was angry with your sin. He knew it deserved punishment. We may not want to talk about the anger of God. We may say, don't talk about, don't talk about that. Don't talk about the, the wrath of God. Don't talk about the anger of God. I'd prefer to see God as, um, I'd prefer to see God as like one of those grandparents that just kind of lets things slide when, when uh, the grandchild does anything wrong. That, you know, the grandparents let you get away with loads of stuff. Is that right, Marion? That's probably not right, is it? You're probably a good grandparent. And, uh, but, you know, just look at God like, a, like a, a, a grandparent that just goes, you know, I see you doing that bad stuff, but it's okay. We won't tell mum and dad. Talk of a God of love instead. Um, it's, it's almost as if these two things are, are, are opposite each other, anger and love. But actually, all loving people sometimes experience anger, often because of the love, not despite it. This is a, here's a quote from the writer Rebecca Manley Pippet, and you know it's going to be quite... Uh, intelligent if your name's Rebecca Manley Pippet, don't you? <laughs> Think how we feel when we see someone we love ravaged by unwise actions or relationships. Do we respond with benign tolerance as we might towards strangers? That means, do we just say, well, they do what they like, I'm not really that bothered. Far from it. Anger isn't the opposite of love. Hate is. And the final form of hate is indifference. And then she goes on to say that, you know, God's anger towards sin isn't some kind of cranky heat of the moment uh, explosion. But she says it's this, a settled opposition to that which is eating out the insides of the human race that he loves with his whole being. But listen, the Bible says that because you are in Christ, because you've accepted Christ, because you've accepted his death in place of yours, you are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. You may look the same. You may have the same appearance. You may have the same perfect physique, Jonathan. As, you, as you've always had. You may have the same personality, but you're a brand new person. New attitudes, a new outlook, a new purpose. So what is the new? What are some of the things that define this new person that you now are in Christ? Firstly, you are forgiven. Colossians 2, verse 13, when you were dead in your sins. And then it goes on to say, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. It's a wonderful truth, isn't it? He forgave us all 
our sins. But the problem is we can kind of say, well, when I think back to what I did, when I think back to what I'd become, when I just remember what I'd done to that person, I could never forgive myself. Or, or maybe God will change his mind. Maybe that won't always be the case. Maybe he'll get so fed up with me that he'll change his mind. He'll bring up those sins again. Listen, this is what God says in the Old Testament book of Isaiah. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. He chooses not to remember them anymore. The the great Bible teacher Arthur Wallace says, listen, he says about this, don't let your memory condemn you. Because the Bible says, for those that are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. You have been forgiven. We are justified. Justified is kind of like a legal term. We've been declared righteous by God. He looks on you and he declares you are righteous. Because you've been able to be better? No, but because of the cross. And because at the cross Jesus took your sin so that you could take his righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. We didn't get to this in our reading, but it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are justified. We're given the righteousness of God. And that doesn't mean that it just, it's as if we never did anything wrong. It's even more than that. It's as if we did everything right because he did. We're given his righteousness. We are justified before God. We're reconciled. We're brought back to God. Before I was God's enemy. Now I'm God's friend. But do you know, it's even more than that. I'm given a new identity. See, it's not simply, well, now now me, and, now me and God have sorted out our differences. Now me, and, now me and Abbas have sorted out our problems. We're cool now. We're cool. We're, I'd cross the street now and say hello to him. We're fine. We're good. We're good. If he puts something on Facebook, hey, I might like it. Because we're cool. We're, we're, we're cool now. And it's not just like that. I'm now part of God's family. He's now my father. I'm now his child. It's not just, oh, we're okay now. He, he can just about put up with me. No, no, he's my father. I've been adopted as his child. And because he's my father, I know he's committed to love me, to protect me, to provide for me, to train me, because he's my father. And do you know the same is true for you? I'm also, as Jesus puts it, born again. If you're in Christ, you've been born again. In John chapter 3, Jesus is talking with this religious leader, Nicodemus. You may know the story. And he says this to him. 
no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Nicodemus said, what do you mean born again? What? I can be, I can be physically born again? How does that work? And Jesus says, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and of the Spirit. We, we haven't got time to go into that into, in kind of deep measure, but most scholars say he's making a reference to Ezekiel chapter 36, a prophecy about what God is going to do through Jesus. And you can go away, won't you, read chapter 36 of Ezekiel. God says um, through Ezekiel, um, I'm going to cleanse you from your sin. And it's like I'm sprinkling you with water. I'm going to make you pure again. Um, You've been polluted by sin, but I'm going to make you pure again through this sprinkling of water. Um, Your imagination, your mind, your conscience. And then... It's, I'm going to put a new heart in you. I'm going to put my spirit in you. So you'll be cleansed from sin. But even more than that, you'll have a new heart. And you'll be able to respond to my spirit that I'm putting in you. So you're cleansed from sin. But also with a changed heart, you're now able to live for God. Live in obedience to him respond to his loving correction because I'm alive and I know he's alive in me and his spirit is in me finally you're given a new purpose Um, that passage that we read in 2 Corinthians goes on to talk about um, this work of bringing people back to God reconciling people back to God we are now caught up in. Paul says we've been given this message of reconciliation. See, God's using you and I to spread his good news message that men and women can encounter God today, can encounter new creation today, can know the blessing and the goodness of that today. You might say, but I'm, I'm no good at that. I, I'm not... I wouldn't be, I, would, I can't do what Bobby does and stand and dialogue with people and t- uh, talk with people on the streets of Utah. I, I, I wouldn't be able to do that. I, w- I wouldn't have the answers. But, and I know Bobby knows this, very true. Our message is not about stuff we've been able to achieve. It's not a message of how successful you and I have been able to be. Praise God. It's about something that's happened to us, something we've experienced, something that's been done to us, or more precisely, someone we've encountered, someone we've come to know. Do you know, to me, that brings such release. It really does. It's not, you know, the message that I may have to my friends, to my neighbours, to my family isn't, look at me, see what I've been able to do. See how successful I've been able to be. See how well I've been able to order my life. See, no, that's not my message. See how I've been able to impress God. No, our message is, see how wonderful he is. See how magnificent Jesus is. Look, isn't he worth getting to know? Isn't he magnificent? Part of that purpose is also to know that your future's secure. Death is not a disappointment for anyone in Christ. Heaven awaits. 
And one day, do you know when God calls time on this world as it is and puts all things right, we'll get to share in his renewed creation. It's a glorious, glorious future. Okay, to finish, how do we... I want us just to consider how being a new creation might change some of the ways we think and change some of the ways we live. I want us to look firstly at knowing who we are and then secondly, living who we are. Firstly, knowing who we are. So you are a new creation if you're in Christ. You're no longer simply a sinner. You know, we can sometimes just identify ourselves as that, can't we? I'm just a sinner. That's all I am. Listen, you are a child of God. Look, you might be a child of God that sins, but your identity is not as a sinner. That's so, so important. Your identity doesn't change when you sin. You are still a child of God, loved by a loving Father. See, if you try and find your identity in anything other than that, it will be insecure. If I try and find my identity in how good I can be to others and how caring I can be to others, when I let someone down, as I am bound to, my identity feels insecure. My identity is questioned. That's who I am. I'm someone who looks after others. I'm someone who cares for others. I find my identity in that. Look, if I try and find my identity in how much of a success I can be, when I fail to live up to my own expectations, my own goals and ambitions, then I doubt who I think I am. But because God's view of us is based on Jesus, there are no unrealistic or false expectations. He loves and accepts you because of Jesus. That's his final verdict. Verdict. He won't change his mind when you find yourself in sin. So knowing who we are. Secondly, living who we are. See, knowing I'm a new creation also means I'm able to live the way God has called me. I realise that my identity doesn't change when I sin, but I also realise that sin doesn't have a hold on me like it used to. And so when I read his word and when I pray, I, I find that I'm, I'm stirred to live how God calls me to live. Not because I have to, to make myself acceptable to him, but because I already am. And I can live out this new life that I, I am. See, in my old life, I was led by sin. I just did what it said. It took me wherever it wanted. Now I'm led by God's Spirit, and he guides me, and he helps me, and he changes those areas of my life that don't, um, don't add up, don't, don't line up with God's Word. Listen, don't say to yourself, that's, that's just me. That thing I do, that behaviour, that's just me. I'll never change. I, I, I've always been like this. Listen, new creation has come to you. And there is new life in you. It's ever so releasing, ever so exciting. So there you go. You've been made new. 
you're totally different to what was there before. I want us to pray in a minute. But perhaps you're not a Christian here today. Perhaps you, you're kind of thinking, well, how do, I, how do I experience this new life? How do I come into this new life? Well, know this. If you want to experience this new life, if you want to get this new life, do you know where it starts? It starts with the death. It starts by looking at the death of Jesus on the cross and seeing that it was for you. Seeing that it was to bring back, to reconcile you to the loving Father. And you can accept that today. I'd encourage you to come on our Alpha course. I'd encourage you to speak to whoever you came along to tonight, to, uh, this morning. I'd encourage you as we pray and as we worship, just say, I'm wanting to receive new life in you, Jesus, because you gave your life for me and conquered sin and death for me. And in your resurrection power, I can know new life. Let's pray together. Could the band come up? Because we're going we're gonna to sing and worship together as well. Let's come before our Heavenly Father. I want us to finish by praying into those two areas that are highlighted at the end. Knowing who we are and living who we are. Father, I want to I want to ask, would you come to us right now and speak deeply as to who we are in Christ? That we are forgiven. That we are brought into God's family. That I'm accepted forever that I'm justified, made righteous, that we are given new purpose in him. Thank you. Help us not to try and think we can find that in anywhere other than the life of Christ. And I pray, Holy Spirit, just minister to us right now. For anyone who is here, just almost has come this morning kind of just almost doubting, doubting their identity in you. Maybe they've listened or just been affected by the words of the enemy that says, you know, you're, he would never accept you. He would never. What you did this week, you better really repent of that. You better really, really do well next week in order to gain God's affection. No, no. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Your identity is secure in Christ. Just receive that afresh this morning. I believe God just wants to imprint that afresh on us this morning. And I pray, Holy Spirit, help us to live out who we are. To live in the goodness and the blessing of who we now are in Christ. Where there's areas where you want to train us, disciple us, correct us, 
we lovingly submit to that because we know it's for our best. We thank you you've put a new heart in us, a new spirit in us, so that we can respond to you and we can live for you. We can say, I'm not going to be, I'm no longer led by sin, I'm no longer enslaved to it. I can say no. I can look to Christ instead. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the community you have made us to be, a community that experienced new creation, and a community that experienced new life, a community that live in new life, a community that we would know who we are and live out who we are, both amongst our own, within our community here in Jubilee and out in Teesside, in Utah, in Zambia, in Turkey, in Tanzania, in Canada, in, in all the places that we are sent and find ourselves. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.